Hi, my name is Chris Rubio, and you are watching The Rubio Method. On tonight's show, we're going to talk about tight clothing, Rubio crying, beer, maybe a little bit of football, being shy, pronunciation, and much, much more. All of that tonight on The Rubio Method. Focus. Focus up. All right, we're back. Monahan. I have to tell you right out of the gate, I am a hot mess right now. I don't know if you can see my, I think it's my right eye. I woke up Wednesday morning and my wife looks at me and goes, what the hell happened to you? I said, what are you talking about? She goes, your, your face. I go, it's my face. What's going on? She says, no, man, you, you got to look at your eye. I go look at my eye and it's boom, all bloody and red and doesn't hurt at all. So immediately I said, okay, did you rough me up or something last night? What's happening? She insists she did not. We don't have cameras in our bedroom, so I'm assuming she did not, but we're just going to go with that. Also, part two of my hot mess, I bit my lip yesterday. And I don't know if you've ever bitten your lip to the point where it kind of gets that little bubble thing on it. So now I'm literally biting it like every four to five minutes. So if you see me bite it and almost start cussing anyone out, that's me just biting that part of my lip. Third hot messness, I just noticed there's a stain on my sweatshirt, so I'll be covering it up the entire time. On that note, Monahan, thanks for everyone showing up and watching. Make sure you check out therubiomethod.com. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have any questions for us, you can always email rubio at therubiomethod.com. Speaking of emailing questions, Monahan, do you have some website questions for us? Yes, absolutely. First and foremost, thanks for clearing that up. It definitely looks like someone's playing the drums on your face, but uh, exactly. <laughs> it'll be awesome. <laughs> First question, let's dive on in. Jody from Kansas City asks, Rubio, on the last show, you mentioned that you are shy at first. Is this really true? Yes, it is. And number one, Monahan, I love how your accent got the Jody out. That was phenomenal. So, that. You know how much I love an accent. Um, am I actually shy? Yes. I know everyone sees this side of me or if at football camps or public speaking being overly exuberant and out there and outgoing. But, yeah, if I'm ever around a new group of people, I kind of just sit back and I kind of watch. I don't know if the word's analyze or investigate. But I'm one of those where I just kind of like to sit and watch and watch and watch. And don't get me wrong, as soon as that door opens with Rubio talking, he's coming in full speed. So it's almost better for everyone that I just kind of sit and watch and watch and watch and watch. So, yes, absolutely, it is 100% true. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. And even just kind of thinking about that, like hearing you talk, I wonder, especially looking at the mental aspect, if when you were a kid, you were told, hey, like, sit down, shut up, see, not heard type thing, and and all that. That's kind of something kind of, hey, well, maybe we dive into that. Uh, well, on that note, I would say, yes, that's got to be a little bit of it, because I was raised a lot by my grandparents, old, old Italian uh, couple. Obviously, they're older grandparents. Um, but they were very, very, you know, sit down, shut up. You're better to be seen but not heard. But they were, we were a very vocal group. And I can remember them a lot of times just saying, in or out, Christopher, in or out. And you'd have to choose for the day if you were going to be inside the house or outside, because my grandfather, who was deaf, could all of a sudden hear the door opening and shutting. So you had to make a decision. You're going in or you're going out. And that was, so you, you might be right on this, Monahan. 
Hey, we might have something here. I like that. Yes, love the old country. Love it. Next question. Um, this one actually is anonymous. It says, hey, guys, over the last two years, I have lost some friends due to differences in beliefs. Do you have any advice on powering through these times with friends? That's actually, Rubio, before you get into it, I may, I may jump into that really quick. Um, it's kind of crazy. The last two years have been just so difficult because I think we're told you have to pick a side and if someone disagrees it's showtime you have to attack that person with everything that you got but um, but yeah it's it's definitely tough my advice would be dude okay you guys can disagree on something totally cool have your conversation but compartmentalize that allow that not to be the identity of your friendship yeah Monahan would you say you know anyone that kind of exemplifies this <laughs> yeah, you and I, brother. <laughs> yeah, in case you don't know, Monahan and I, obviously, we speak constantly, pretty much literally every single day, whether it's through phone calls, Zoom meeting, or text. And I would say, on average, we get into basically four to five good little scuffles per week where he says something stupid, or I perceive it as stupid, and I say something stupid where he perceives it as stupid. And it's one of those things that if you're having differences of beliefs, Understand that there are different people. That's the way the world is. There's no way in hell you're going to understand every single person. There's no way in hell you're going to believe the exact same thing as everyone else. If you did, it would be very, very boring. So as much as I think Monahan's an idiot three-fourths of the time, and he thinks I'm an idiot three-fourths of the time, we still have that love aspect of, dude, he's an idiot. But I still like talking to him, and I'm also one of those guys where I love to argue. Uh, it's like my big thing. I, I'll argue with you all day, all night, you know, 10 times over. Like, I'm, I'm Lionel Richie. I'll go all, all night long. But it, and it, my wife gets mad at me all the time because I always say, she goes, why do you want to just keep arguing? I go, I just want to keep talking. It's okay. I like to argue. So powering through these, I would just make sure you have boundaries. Make sure you have limits. Make sure you understand. Let's not get too crazy. Let's just kind of live life and go from there. That is unreal advice. So fantastic. Love it. Hop into question number three, my man Frank uh, in Atlanta. He says, Rubio, please tell <laughs> sorry, I laugh every time. He says, please tell us about the Kentucky Derby story you mentioned in the last episode. I laugh because I've heard it and I can't wait to hear it again. All right. So here's the Kentucky Derby story. The Kentucky Derby, as everyone knows, is in Kentucky. The Kentucky Derby, I believe it's in May, right around there. It's very, very hot, very, very humid. I hate the heat and humidity. I, I legit think I'm allergic to humidity. That's how much I loathe it. It's past the point of hate. So we're at an auction, and my wife wins the prize of going to the Kentucky Derby. All expense paid, blah, 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 have a good time. So immediately she goes, you don't have the proper Kentucky Derby suit. I go, I don't even know what the hell that means. She says, we have to go rent you a nice paisley type suit or something like that i said i'm not doing that so we got some sort of like soft gray we'll call it and it's got to be form-fitting which you obviously i've told you guys before i like loose clothing i don't want to be super tight i'm not that guy and but she says it's got to be a little more tailored a little tailored so we get rent a suit blah 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 so we get to kentucky it's oh my god hot i mean your your sweat has sweat on it and we proceed to go to the hotel and immediately my wife's got to get the kentucky derby hat 
where if you've ever seen the Kentucky Derby hat, you can literally just Google it or do whatever, Kentucky Derby hat, and every single woman there has a hat the size of a Honda Civic on their head, and it's got bows and ribbons and all kinds of crap, stuffed animals. They're everywhere. You can't even walk down a hall with one of them because they're going to poke you in the eye. So she gets the hat, and it's, it's just uh, who knows what's happening. So we finally get to the Kentucky Derby, and there's a gazillion people there, maybe a gazillion plus one. And we're going there. I'm hot. I'm starting to complain. There's a bazillion people. This is pre-Rona, obviously. And I sit down for X amount of time. And it's a normal, like, stadium seating. And I'm a bigger guy, so I'm not fitting in this seat at all. And after about the first five to six minutes of me complaining, I tell my wife, I say, Queen, I call her Queen. Queen, I'm going to get something to drink. It's too hot. I'm, I'm about to pass out. So I get up to go get myself something to drink. And she says, sit down. And I go, well, I told you I'm going to get you. She goes, sit down. I go, what? She goes, hey, man, you blew the ass out of your pants. I go, what? She goes, yeah, man. And we're talking, this is like the first 40 minutes we're into the place. And you're, you're there for like six, seven hours. Kentucky Derby is not just one race. It's like eight or nine. So I'm sitting down now and I go, are you kidding? And she goes, no. And it's bad. I go, like, how bad? She goes, like, basically from underneath your carriage to all the way up to your belt. I go, are you joking? So I had to literally take my jacket off and wrap it around my waist like, you know, an 80s uh, prep guy. And I'm doing that. And I had to walk around the rest of the time like that unless I wanted just complete air conditioning on my butt cheeks, which actually would have been probably a better, better thing to happen. So that that's my Kentucky <laughs> Derby story. Great event. I, I don't need to do it again because there's too many people and it's too hot. But definitely something you want to see one time in proper clothing. Oh, that's that's hysterical. Love it, love it, love it. Um, next question, we've got Tina in Seattle. and says, Monahan and Rubio, what are your favorite types of movies? I think I'm going to hop on this one first as well. Guys, I love war movies. My favorite movie of all time, Saving Private Ryan, hands down. I love that movie. Um, give me a war movie, and I'll watch it all day long. Okay, number one, Monahan, that's very confusing to me because you're such a happy-go-lucky guy, and war movies usually don't walk out like pumped. What's that about? Oh, yeah, I have no idea. I just, I get inspired. I love it. <laughs> I think they're so awesome. I love, like, the manliness of it. Hey, that might be something we could walk down an avenue. <laughs> All right. My favorite types of movies? Rom-coms. Absolutely love them. I don't understand why. I just think they're fun. And this past Christmas season, I went down a deep, I'm talking deep wormhole of the Hallmark movies. I love them. I can't, I can't even explain why. I don't know if it's the comfortableness of it or the cheesiness, the bad acting, the bad directing, the bad anything. It, it's like you know exactly what's going to happen within the first five minutes, but I'll still watch it for two, two hours, and then I'll wait for the next one. My wife was getting mad because I was actually DVRing them. And she's like, you, we do not need to DVR Hallmark movies. I go, I absolutely have to. I haven't seen this one. And so I, I love the Hallmark movies. They're terrible. I get it, but I'm still infatuated with them. I, I, that, that's, that's me, Monahan. Is she going to fall back in love with the guy that comes back in town from the city? You betcha she is. <laughs> yes, I love <laughs> Absolutely. it. I love it. I think as men, dude, I think we need to be more open. Like, hey, let's shed our pride because, you know, that's another thing that we, you know, look at as well, especially with men's mental health and all that. Like, we love watching these movies because it gives us such comfort, and, like, we know the ending is going to be A-OK. -okay. So that I love that. Oh, that's awesome. It's like, it's like a nice cup of hot cocoa just watching those movies. Mahan, what's the last question? 
Yes, last question, last question. It says, what are some ways to get a male to open up to you? My husband is very quiet, and he's really bad about opening up to me, and I know he's the same with his male friends. Need, in all caps, some help on this, Monahan and Rubio, and it's from Anonymous as well. Okay, Monahan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first on this one. I, I think, number one, to get your man to open up to you a little bit more, you have to make sure that he's completely comfortable in the s situation, the surroundings, everything. The same goes with his male friends. He has to make sure that he's in a, you know, the court of comfort place. You know, he's a comfortable zone. And maybe even have one of his male friends that you know pretty well um, reach out to him and come up, give them a secret about themselves or, you know, give him a problem like, hey, Monahan. I'm the shy one. You're, you're not the shy one. Or are you, uh, excuse me. I'm the non-shy one. You're the shy one. Hey, Monahan, I just want to let you know I'm having a tough time raising my kid. You got any advice, man? He, he wants to play baseball. I don't want him to play baseball. He wants to play soccer. I don't want him to play soccer. Just something a little trivial like that. But that kind of opens up to, hey, this guy's willing to open up to me. Maybe I can open up to him. Yeah, absolutely. You literally nailed the hit the nail on the head there because the, what you're doing right there is you're immediately disarming them. You're disarming the other guy, and that's what I would say to to you as well as his wife. Like, hey, disarm him. Be like, hey, listen. Like, we, you can take the mask off. It's okay because us men like to have the everything's fine. We're macho, tough mask. Pull that bad boy off. Everything's fine. This is where I'm at. Let's let's get in there a little bit. And I think you're right. Disarm them and allow that conversation to be safely spoken without like feeling any type of judgment. Fantastic segment, Monahan. Remember, if you guys want to email some more questions, rubio at therubiomethod.com. Also check out the therubiomethod.com website. You can submit a link right there. And now we're going to be available on over 20 podcast stations. Obviously, YouTube as well, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and of course, NGBN.TV. Big T, let it rain. Thank you. Thank you. Here's to the straggly ones. The first ones. But hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones and the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Learn more at Movember.com. Focus. Focus up. All right, I am back. We are back. Monahan is back. And we've got a phenomenal guest. I've been waiting for this one. I'm going to introduce you to Patrick Manley. Patrick Manley is from Atlanta, Georgia went to Duke University, drafted in the sixth round of the NFL in 1998, played for 16 years for the Chicago Bears. He's the host of Golf 360 and also the Chicago Bears pregame show. He has the Patrick Manley Award named after him, which highlights the top collegiate long snapper because he's considered the greatest long snapper in modern history. 
Manly, thanks for being here. What is up, my man? What's up, guys? Great to catch up with you. Last time we saw each other was at what in Chicago for the Manly Awards. So uh, congratulations on this podcast. Awesome to hear about it. Look forward to following it going forward and even bigger honor to be on here with you guys today. So uh, thanks for having me. Fantastic. Thanks, Manly. Real quick, we're going to start with some quick hitters. Just real quick questions. Don't you want? Don't want you to even think about them. Just boom, shoot it out. Ready? All if right. you had to give up one for the rest of your life, you had to give up one. What are you choosing, golf or beer? Oh boy, beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one, though, man. They go. They're, they're married well. You know what I mean? If you know how to balance both I of them, and. That's a tough one to give up. That's a great question, but mine, mine is definitely, it would be beer. Golf is just, uh, I can't live without it. That's how I get my, you know, competitive spirit out, all that kind of stuff, and keeps me kind of same, in that same uh, tract of, like, long snapping, you know, getting something to do, preparing for it, and same kind of mindset. Now, what particular beer would you say is your most favorite right now? I know you have a particular one. Could you tell us about it? Yeah, it's an easy one. It's called Long Snapper IPA. Some some great guy made it. Uh, came up with the idea, which was myself. No, but uh, uh, it's a beer that I worked with Tighthead Brewery up in Mundelein, Illinois. Um, and I always just thought the name Long Snapper would be a cool name for a beer. You know, you're sitting across a bar, and you, now those across the bar they have all the fridges uh, with the you know the craft beers and all that stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm just be neat and say, hey, sir, I'll, I'll take a Long Snapper. So uh, we got together and built Long Snapper IPA. Going well in the Chicagoland area. I think we got it in, like, uh, northern Indiana, southern Wisconsin, uh, western Michigan, some Iowa. And then the coolest thing for me, guys, it's in Soldier Field. So there, I get oh. tweeted pictures, Instagram pictures, people, you know, drinking a, a long snapper while they're watching a Bears game, uh, which is pretty cool. I never thought we would get it in there, but it's growing and it's going well, and people seem to like it. Nobody's told me they hate it yet. Some people say it's not their favorite, which is fine. Everybody has their opinion, but – uh, I like it a lot, and uh, actually my wife likes it, which is probably my my hardest critic. And if she likes it, it's, I, I feel like I've done a good job. All right, Manly, second question, my man. You just recently moved from Chicago to Florida. You're obviously doing a lot more swimming. In a pool or in the ocean, Which what is your perfect swimming water temperature? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, today it was super hot here, so anything – cooler but I, I don't have a perfect temperature that's a tough question I, I don't mind I heard you earlier in this podcast talking about you hate sweating you hate it being hot so I'd rather have yes. a cooler pool or a cooler ocean to jump into because I'm a sweater I mean I'm a, a big-time sweater so anything cooler than I don't even know what the temperature should be but as long as I can jump in and feel a little chill I'm okay with it so that that's whatever that temperature is I'm with it so I like a cold pool a cold ocean so you you're, you're okay with like I'm see I 85 degrees, right around that. That's the water temperature I want. I, I can't stand being in cold water as well. I hate hot temperatures, but I hate cold water. I'm a very odd human being. But I think it goes back to when I was at UCLA, all the back injuries, I used to have to get into ice baths about three to four times a day up to my neck. And I swear, oh, I, I think cold, it's something I didn't that I'm cold Oh, God, you're, something's wrong with you. <laughs> That's not right. All right, yeah, final question. Yeah, I didn't I'm going to spell a word. I want you to pronounce it. All right? P-A-J-A-M-A-S. Pajamas. Pajamas. <laughs> I would say Okay, pajamas. no, no, that's part of my question. Pajamas. First you say pajamas? pajamas? Yes. I say pajamas. Yes. Monahan, how do you say it? I'm a pajamas guy. <laughs> pajamas. 
pajamas, 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 pajamas. Okay, we're, we're I think pajama we're all pajama gram. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with pajamas. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. All right, man, man, let's get to the meat and potatoes here, my man. How did you handle the mental aspect of being a stud in the NFL for 16 years and now you're basically out of the game? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, what happened for me is I got to play so darn long. When I would watch myself like the last two or three years on film running down the field, I could still snap it okay. I didn't have the same speed in the snap, but it was still serviceable. But watching myself cover a kick, I would watch the tape, and I'm like, who the heck is number 65? He's slow and old. So as the years went along, I just really saw myself just kind of deteriorate from the level that I, I, I wanted myself to be or expected myself to be. Um, and then my, my right hip started giving out as well, and I had to get a little surgery to, be, uh, to try to come back and play. I couldn't come back. So honestly, I was okay with it. I was really fine with it to, to kind of just see your career go like this, and then it just starts going down quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was okay with it. And I got to play 16 long years, 16 great years with the Bears. And once it was time to call it quits, I remember telling my wife, like, that's it. I'm done. I was out in San Diego rehabbing, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I'm like, I'm done. So it actually was easy to be done. Yeah, because you didn't necessarily pull the Band-Aid off. It was more of a very slow Band-Aid pull. It was. And no, no pun intended with me being slow. It was. <laughs> so real quick, I'll tell you a quick story. We're playing the uh, Carolina Panthers in the first preseason game my last year, and this is when they put that targeting rule in where they can't, you know, blindside you anymore. So I was kind of, Fantastic. when I'm getting the preseason, I was kind of told, don't go down there and try to be the first guy in. Like when, when I was younger, I could do that. When I was older, I couldn't. But they didn't want me to get hurt. So I would kind of go down almost, you know, 10 yards in front of the punter. So I would run down slow. And the next thing you know, the, the returner is going to my left, then breaks out right. And I'm kind of the last line of defense. So I turn to go right. Young Buck comes around, catches me in the ribs. I go flying. I'm doing the backstroke in the air. And I'm like, how did I not feel that or see that coming? And that's when I knew I was old. And then he cracked two of my ribs. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, man, this, this getting old and being slow out there with these young guys. And just um, I need to put my head on a swivel again. That's just that's that was kind of the, the the reality or the moment where I'm like, all right, I'm really old right now. <laughs> well, 16 years in the NFL is a, a long, long time. And you've met a lot of people through the years. What's the best bit of advice you have been given by a player or a coach regarding the mental aspect of the game? Hmm. Um, have ultimate confidence. Don't You don't have to be cocky, but just have ultimate confidence in yourself. And, you know, by that I mean going out there and having to do your job, truly believe you could be successful every time you do it. Whatever the situation is, weather conditions, you know, you've practiced in them. As you get older, you've played in them. Um, but just almost have, just have that, that, that ultimate confidence. And I did. And it's, some people call it you're cocky, but I don't think you can succeed in anything in life if you're not confident in yourself. And I did. I had that ultimate confidence where I'm the best snapper out there today. I feel like I'm the best, you know. But it wasn't that I wanted to tell people that, but I just had that in the back of my brain that I just felt that all the time. And I think that helped me, you know, do my job well over, over a long career. Oh, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I always, when I'm doing speeches and stuff like that, I, I say there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness. 
and the confidence you have to be basically towing that line and it's if it yes. like oozes just yes. a tad into the cockiness it's okay it's almost like when you see someone and i don't like that guy i don't like that guy why don't you like him i don't i don't know and because he's oozing that confidence slash just right. a drip of cockiness sure sure and it, it helps and i just i mean i tell young young snappers that all the time or just young athletes all the time that it's i have th uh, three nephews that play uh, two play baseball one play football i'm like it's okay to be that ultimate have that ultimate confidence on the field because if you don't then then you you, you know you're not going to succeed as much and I, I tell i tell them that all the time absolutely that's really good that, that's awesome um hey manly i got a got a question here for you you played for four different head coaches dave wanstead dick Duran, lovey smith and mark trustman and all four had wildly different personalities and styles of coaching Mentally, what is it like for you to adapt to each one? That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, each team did take on the persona of your head coach. I think they all come in and they give their mantra or whatever, and you kind of you follow that. Um, and you try to be the best teammate you can with their guidance. Um, they, were, they were all different, but they weren't – none of them were a hard ass, you know what I mean, where you had to, like, look at them that way. There was still a respect between the player – and the coach, and I think that that's just the kind of the way it is too in the NFL because you're grown, you're a grown ass man in the NFL. You know, you're not a college kid anymore, so you're still you're going man to man uh, when you're talking. But the other part too, Nick was was taking the uh, the special teams coordinator when new special teams coordinators would come in. You kind of take their persona too because you're working with them every day. They're building, you know, th their guidance in that special teams room of what they want you to be like, what the meetings are going to be like. So. To me, it was more following those guys than, than the head coaches. But uh, the four head coaches I got to play for, they were great men, great leaders of men. Um, but it really wasn't that difficult changing with them because you just you always gave them the ultimate respect because they deserved it. They're the head coach. It was trying to fit in with the special teams coordinator because that's the guy you're working with every day. They're working with the punters, kicker, and long snapper every day. We're, you know, we're, we're the guys in the meeting. You know, you got tight ends, linebackers, and all that stuff, and they have their position coaches, but our troops – excuse me, our true specific position coach is that special teams coach. So that was the most difficult is trying to transition into those guys. But again, I got lucky with Keith Armstrong, a long, long time special teams coach, Mike Sweatman, a long, long time, Dave Tobe, uh, and Jody Camillus. And all these guys have been in the league a long time and very, very successful and very easy to work with. And uh, just a lot of great memories with those, with those four coaches. Yeah, I think there's something, you actually hit the note there. Um, especially with men, because obviously this is for, you know, men and, and mental health and all that good stuff is a lot mm -hmm. of times you may have a job with a leader that is different, but the whole culture kind of reflects who the leadership is. So I like that. And then the other thing that a lot of people don't really know about NFL locker rooms is that that special teams coach is everyone's coach. Um, and so I thought that was mm -hmm. really cool that you brought that out because, you know, you have your position coaches, but that special team guy gets all 53. Yeah, has them every day for, you know, 20, 25 minutes every morning. Most teams have it. That's the first meeting. And he's got to be able to coach O-linemen on, on field goal team. You know, he's got to be able to coach D-linemen on field goal block team. And obviously linebackers, tight ends, receivers, and DBs and all them. But uh, I'm just shocked that more special teams coaches have not made the transition into being a head coach just because they learn how to communicate with everybody in that locker room. You know, probably not the quarterback that they really have to communicate with as much, but everybody else they do – and uh, you have to earn that ultimate respect. And I'm just shocked that more guys have not made that transition into being a head coach. 
Manly, you played in the Super Bowl. What was that like mentally? And was it like an out-of-body experience? I hate to use the word surreal. I don't know why I don't like that word, but was it surreal? It was. So if people remember, we played in the uh, the rain game against the Colts and lost to Peyton Manning. That's one of our friends saying the halftime show, which was amazing, in the rain. So we had to play in the rain knowing we were going into the rain. So mentally I'm like, okay, this is going to be more difficult. And then to talk about that surrealness, I got an opportunity. I was a captain for the game. So I got to go out there for the coin toss. And on my Twitter bio, so there's a picture they have. It's, it's like up above of the coin toss. Dan Marino's out there uh, throwing up the coin, I think. Peyton Manning, Adam Vinatieri, and some other great culture out there. And that, honestly, is the view that I ha- had when I walked out there. Like, I just took it in. I'm like, this is the Super Bowl. And I got to see it from, like, 10,000 feet up. It was just – that was surreal to me to be out there and doing that and seeing all the cameras and all that kind of stuff. And then getting into the game um, – I was nervous because the rain. The rain, it was raining pretty hard. It was difficult. It's obviously difficult to snap a ball uh, when it's wet. But, um, and you also know that the entire world is watching you. You know, NFL Sundays, a lot of people are watching you. You know, you might play on Monday nights, Sunday nights, which are national games. But this game, obviously, is a whole different can of worms. And um, you kind of just had to block that out. And I tried just to tell myself, listen, this is just like every other game. Every snap is going to be like every other snap. You know, every possession where I go out there to punt or kick a field goal is like every other game. Just block out the fact that the entire world is watching, but just go do your job. And like I said earlier, have that ultimate confidence that you can do your job, but kind of compartmentalize each snap or each play into not being the Super Bowl, just being another play. And um, I think that that's how I, that's I know that that's how I went about it, and I, it helped me out quite a bit. That's really good, really good. Melly, another question on my end here. We know that you love golf and you love football, but which one is physically harder? This is kind of a two-parter. Which one's physically harder, golf or football? And then which one's harder mentally, golf or football? Oh, man, physically, obviously, football. (laughs) Um, But the other thing is, though, with golf, it's so many more moving parts in the golf swing that make it, physically difficult to make that same swing every time. To me, long snapping was kind of, Rubio, you, how many movements would that be? But it's still, it's like a linear movement. So it's it, it's not as difficult as the swing, but physically, you know, you get beat, uh, back in the day, you get beat up when they could run you over on, on, on punts and field goals and stuff like that. My neck would get all jacked up. And then your second part of the question, which one is mentally tougher? Is that what you, oh yep, man, yep. Uh, football again. Cause now I, I honestly, I play golf for fun. You know, and I don't play for enough money <laughs> to make it on me. So if I have to pay somebody a couple of bucks afterwards, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to break the bank. Um, so it, it's football all around. But uh, the mental part, that is the fun part about continuing playing golf is that you're going against buddies, you're competing all the time, and I get to still get that out of me. And I'm just a I, – some people say I'm too competitive, um, but so this helps me get that out of me. Manly, you're playing at Lambeau. Games at 8 p.m. on Monday Night Football. What's your 48 hours prior to kickoff look like? How are you putting yourself in the best possible situation to be perfect and sustain it? And would it be different if it's Miami Sunday and it's 105 degrees? Oh, man. Um, You know, Friday you have a half-day workout. Then Friday night I go home and relax. Um, And then Saturday we're getting – well, we used to drive up there, which was kind of cool. So you didn't have to get on a plane and do all that stuff. So we ended up busing up there for a little while because it was just only – two hour and 20 minute ride. But um, 
getting ready for that cold weather. The good thing is, Chris, we played in it in Chicago all the time. So we practice in it all the time. So going to Lambeau wasn't that big of a difference. It's actually easier up there because the way the stadium's constructed, it wasn't as windy. So as you know, as a snapper, wind, wind was the hardest thing for me, and I, I hated wind. Obviously, playing in Chicago, it sucked. We had it there all the time. But going to Lambeau wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I didn't mind it at all. The cold, I didn't mind. I, I, I learned how to get used to it. I learned how to dress. I learned how to wear the hand muff properly and when to take my hands out of the hand muff and grip the ball to snap. And, and, and so I wouldn't be out there with my hands as long on the ball. Um, I would say I'd rather play there than going down to Miami when it's 105. Like I talked earlier, I'm such a bad sweater that, you know, you got the sweat just running down your arms under your, under your hands under the ball. You're dripping down from your face mask. So I would wear like two or three wristbands to try to stop the sweat from going down. I'd change every quarter. Uh, wear the little the little towel on your you know your belt loop to make sure your hands are dry all the time. Um, so yeah, I'd rather go to Lambeau and do that. But I, another funny thing is, so we're in training camp in, in Bourbon A. It is hot as can be. So I go running out there for the field goal you know field goal period. And I bring a, one of those Gatorade towels with me and I put it on the ground next to the ball and I dry my hands off for every time. So you know you move back three, four, five yards and you get a set of twenty kicks in. Coach comes over and he says, you can't have that out here. You don't have it in the game. I go, I know. I run from the sideline to the ball and snap and back off the field. I don't have to play 20 plays in a row and sweat like this. And he goes, you got me. All right, you can keep, you can keep the towel out there for each snap. Like, that's what it's like in a game. You know, that's what it's like in a game. So he did not like me having that Gatorade towel out there. But, yeah, I'd rather snap in the cold than, than the heat. I just I didn't, I, I was too much of a sweater. Manly, these were all phenomenal answers, exactly what I expected from you. You're a legend on and off the field. How can people find out more information about Patrick Manley, the Patrick Manley Award, Long Snapper IPA, anything else you want to promote right now? Um, you know, just the, the Patrick Manley Award is the big thing. I think right now, Chris, with you and Kevin Gold helping get us, getting this thing started up to recognize the college snappers has been, been, been a blast. And I think we've had a great time putting this together. I've enjoyed watching the tape of those guys. But you can go to berniesbookbank.org. And you can find out the information there for the Patrick Manley Award. Uh, that's kind of our nonprofit that we've teamed up with. That we've helped raise a lot of money for them and, and, and doing some great things. Um, and that, that's really it. That, that's the big thing I'm involved with right now. And I really enjoy being part of Bernie's Book Bank and Chris and, you know, Kevin and Nick. Nick, you're out there all the time with us, too. It's been a blast building this thing up. And let's get this thing uh, on the main stage here shortly. Fantastic. Remember to check out berniesbookbank.org. They do some phenomenal, phenomenal work. You'll be very, very impressed with how many books they distribute to inner city youth out in the Chicago area. Also, remember, you guys can do a great job. If you have any questions for us, we can get them going to at therubiomethod.com. Submit the link or rubio at therubiomethod.com. And like I said, we're going to be over 20 podcasts wherever you're taking in your info. Apple TV, Amazon Fire, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Roku, NGBN.TV. And I think I said YouTube, but make sure you share and subscribe. You guys are doing a great job on that. Big T, let it rain. This is what too much sounds like. This is what stress feels like. And this is what help feels like. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Mm, mm, mm. Baby, you see, I cannot...
Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Focus. Focus up. All right, we are back at the Rubio Method. You guys are doing a great, great job, like I said before, of sharing and subscribing to the YouTube channel. Please keep that up. And if you have any questions, you can email us, rubio at therubiomethod.com. Monahan, how great was Manly? Man, that was that was an incredible interview. You could tell he's just he's a natural. Yeah, he's so relaxed, and I think being a long snapper, you have to have that kind of attitude where, like he said, the confidence oozes into cockiness, but and also just so relaxed. He's like one of those guys you just you feel more calm just even speaking to or letting him speak to you. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I feel like it translates right into his golf game because. He's as smooth as they come, so it was really good. And his insight on uh, just being in the locker room and, and like and just being having different leaders was was awesome. It was really good. I love his stories too. Absolutely great, great storyteller. All right, Monahan, let's break into the bottom line for all of our new listeners and watchers and viewers. The bottom line is our final segment. It's basically stuff that you should have learned throughout the show, and you probably didn't even realize you were learning it. I'm a bottom line guy, black and white. Boom, let's hear it. This is going to get, sometimes it gets me into trouble because I always say, what's the bottom line? Let's go land this plane here. But I'm going to tell you the bottom line. We've got three of them today. Number one, life experiences impact your life. Sounds odd, but Monin, please tell us, tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. Just like we talked about earlier, your life experiences, how you were raised, what your parents thought, their views, your views different um, traumatic events that might have happened to you or successful or exciting events that happened to you really shape how you head into each event every single day. So, yeah, your life experiences, more than you know, impact uh, who you are and, and what you're about. Yeah, it's almost like my grandparents' story where, you know, in or out, don't talk unless spoken to, how, it's, how I'm kind of that way when I first intro into a new group of activities or people. Number two. Be open and willing to argue, but like a human being and not like an animal. Monahan and I are the exact same. This is us right here. We argue probably five times a week, like I said, but we're human beings about it. There's often I will get done reading a text from him and say, he literally cannot be this dumb. There, there's just no way he can be this dumb, and I guarantee he does the same thing to me. But then, you know, 15 minutes later we're on a Zoom meeting, just chat it up, having a good time. And I think that's the big thing there. Be open and willing to argue. I love to argue. You may not, but be open and willing because you're not going to believe the same thing as everyone. Monahan? Yeah, absolutely. And care about each other. It was so funny. Our last argument we ended with, hey, I love you so much, bro, but this is why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's totally cool to disagree with someone else. Um, but like we said earlier, compartmentalize it. Man, your guys' friendship is so much bigger than that. So, yes, absolutely. Don't be an animal. <laughs> and the third and final number, or excuse me, the third and final point? Yeah, point. We'll say point, point for the bottom line. Is listen to others. Listen to others. You don't have to agree with them, but it is okay just to listen to them. Soak it in. Take it in. You might actually learn something, or you may just learn they're a moron, and you don't need to listen to them anymore, but still just listen to others. 
Yeah, absolutely. And be able to be approachable in that aspect too. Just like we that question was, how do you let how do you let your man let his guard down is is allow them to to speak to you and then listen to others without being judgmental and then you guys could can move forward together. It's super important. Another fantastic episode, Monahan. You were extraordinary. Thank you once again to Patrick Manley. Loved his interview. I think everyone else is going to love it as well. Make sure you guys subscribe and share our YouTube channel. Check out the RubioMethod.com, the website. You can submit a question there or just email Rubio at the Rubio Method. And make sure you understand that you could also listen to us on over 20 podcasts. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go check us out. You're going to find us. iHeart, Apple, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku, NGBN.TV. And like I said before, Rubio at therubiomethod.com. That was a great one. Big T, let it rain. <laughs>